Support comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies. Held on select Fridays in May, each film touches upon artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, kicking off with Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro on May 10th at NortonSimon.org. You have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from Alleist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes, too, when you donate now at LAist.com slash sweeps. LAist Studios. Um, thanks all for coming. Great to see you all, like usual. <laughs> thanks for having us. Tonight at Sundown is the start of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. It lasts until Sunday evening, and it's the beginning of what's known as the Jewish High Holidays, followed by Yom Kippur 10 days later. In honor of this special time for the Jewish community, we're highlighting an important tradition that's often called the centerpiece of Jewish life, Shabbat. It's the weekly day of rest that starts on Fridays at sundown and goes until Saturday evening. It's ushered in by candle lighting, prayer, song, and a feast. And really, whether you're Jewish or not, the idea of a weekly dinner party with friends and family meant to promote rest, rejuvenation, and connection sounds really nice. And these days, we know we could all really benefit from a stronger community connection. So in this episode, we're exploring a Jewish tradition that's always been about opening up one's table to family, friends, and even strangers. And through that, discover the importance of community gatherings. Harolei producer Megan Mattel talked to some folks from the organization One Table. It's a Jewish nonprofit with a mission to connect folks to their roots and to the greater Los Angeles community through Shabbat. All right, it's Friday night around 7.30. I'm walking up to an apartment in West Hollywood where a host through one table graciously let me crash her Shabbat dinner. I think this one is just with her friends, although a lot of these dinners are open to the public. Hi. Yes, hi, Megan. Nice to meet you. Hello. I'm Elizabeth Grossman, and we're in my home in West Hollywood, California. I'm hosting tonight's Shabbat through one table. This looks so beautiful. Thank you. Very So this organization, One Table, is basically Airbnb for Shabbat dinners. If you'd like to join someone's Shabbat as a guest, you put in your location and you'll see a bunch of options throughout LA for dinners to attend every Friday night. 
If you want to host a Shabbat, you fill out an application and once it's approved, hosts can list their dinners on the website. We're doing a last minute dessert because mine might not have turned out well. What did you make? Um, I made a cottage cheese fig cake, but it looks a little bit underbaked, so we're making some emergency brownies just in case. <laughs> I love cottage cheese. One table will also provide some resources, including some amount of money per head, which helps because one table is geared mostly to younger people in their 20s and 30s. I'm not in a place where I can make a full meal for this many people with my own income, so it's nice to have that extra to help cover some of the costs. They've also got all the tools and info one might need to start incorporating this tradition of Shabbat into their lives, especially for people who maybe have never done it before. But their mission is much broader than Shabbat dinner. We're really all about empathy and finding solutions for helping people find connection and a feeling of belonging, especially around the Friday night Shabbat dinner table. This is Danny Kohanzada. I'm the director of field at One Table, and we're in Los Angeles, California, at my home, at my kitchen counter. Cool. One Table was founded by Aliza Klein in 2014. It started in New York and now has one of its major hubs in LA, and it's now in 470 cities around the country, and their app supports around 500 Shabbat dinners a week. In 2014, One Table was created to address two key issues that Eliza and her team of very few people had identified. With the help of other studies coming out at the time, she understood that young adults were continuing to disassociate from Judaism at a rapid pace in a really significant way. You know, just imagine not many young adults in institutional Jewish spaces and not necessarily like the same center for Jewish life and Jewish community and Jewish connection that had maybe been available or felt accessible and exciting to our ancestors. And millennials and Gen Z, now more than ever we know, are facing epidemics of loneliness and isolation. So that was true at that time, and it's certainly true now, especially in whatever point of the pandemic we're at noticing that people were really not connecting in the ways that they used to. She was really thinking about the most easy, barrierless way to make hosting a Shabbat dinner feel real and possible and repeatable. So not just something you would do once every you know, year, but maybe something that you could try one way one week and then try another way the following. So I made a rosemary and pesto challah that has some peaches and goat cheese on the side. And then there's a cantaloupe cucumber salad with feta and mint and a citrus dressing. I made a corn risotto with some roasted tomatoes on top and then Parmesan crusted cauliflower. And then for dessert, we have maybe a cottage cheese fig cake and then Mexican hot chocolate brownies, courtesy of Sophia. Do you know where the napkins are? Thank you so much. Can I just rip everything out? Yeah, of course. Okay. Ooh. Oh my gosh, it's so warm. For the challah, I use Jake Cohen's recipe. You have to mix water with sugar and yeast and let that bloom. Um, and then you add flour, honey, oil, mix together, knead it, 
let it rise, and then I did a six-strand braid, let it rise for another hour, and then I bake it for about 45 minutes. Should we start discussing Israel now, or we like to wait till later? <laughs> believe disassociating from Judaism, feeling like maybe what you know about Judaism isn't necessarily relevant to how you live your everyday life, but also seeing really the impact of isolation and people not necessarily having the third spaces to connect with people that they don't yet know. We talk a lot about how to make Shabbat dinner rituals feel like something you do want to blurt out. If you like had a moment of meditation at the beginning of dinner. That's not what I typically do on a Thursday if I have my friends over, if we go out for drinks. Like, we don't stop and have ritual before the meal. And I often think about what it's like for people to take that kind of risk of asking their friends to, like, peek into their lives or do something new with them or consider their kind of unique perspective, especially in a moment where they might feel isolated. We're really inspired by Priya Parker's The Art of Gathering, which is an amazing book about hospitality and like the roles that we take at dinner parties essentially, but gathering in general. If you invite five friends over for Friday night and try to do something a little bit different than your norm, you're actually gonna see how it plays out. You're opening yourself up to seeing how it lands for other people and that can be really kind of, you can have like a vulnerability hangover even if it's just throwing a dinner party. Morgan from West LA. I like gathering for Shabbat because I think it's a nice way to celebrate the end of the week and the beginning of our <laughs> day of rest. Uh, and it makes me feel connected to my Jewish community and my Jewish friends to get to do this with a group of people that I love. Wow, I was a little concerned. Now is probably a good time to point out that in keeping with the spirit of Shabbat, everyone is welcome to attend one of these dinners through one table. Whether you're Jewish, Jewish but not practicing, Christian, Hindu, atheist, spiritual in other ways, anyone can come. Hi, I'm Jacob. Growing up when I was a kid, we always had Shabbat dinner. And then as I got older, like teenage years, it's harder to lock teenagers down. And so my parents stopped doing it. And then... Morgan and I now live together. We do it most Friday nights, like the candles and everything like that. But being here and being with, like Elizabeth being such a nice host and like having everyone, it's, yeah, it's a, it's different and it, it makes it a lot easier, which is nice. Yeah. We'll get back to community building and Shabbat after a quick break. Support for LAist comes from the Norton Simon Museum, presenting the film series Testigo Witness, Goya in the Movies, held on select Fridays in May. Each film touches upon Spanish artist Francisco de Goya's visions of the world, including Pan's Labyrinth by Guillermo del Toro and The Discreet Charm of the Bourgeoisie by Luis Buñuel. Screenings are at 4.30 p.m. on four consecutive Fridays starting May 10th. More information at nortonsimon.org. 
Support for LAS comes from Latino Theater Company at the Los Angeles Theater Center presenting American Mariachi by Jose Cruz Gonzalez. It's the 1970s and women can't be mariachis. Or can they? American Mariachi is a feel-good comedy about familia, amor, and tradición that will send your heart soaring and put a bounce in your step with a wave of vibrant, infectious live music. On stage through June 9th, tickets and information at latinotheaterco.org. And we're back with How to LA. I'm Brian De Los Santos, and you're listening to producer Megan Botel talking with the organizers of One Table on the power of community gatherings through Shabbat dinners. Something about having a dinner party, and I think about this all the time, is like you're bringing everyone into the same world, so it's super healing in that way, rather than having these like fragmented relationships with different people in your life. But there's a lot of anxiety about that too. I'm always like, Will they like each other? Will I act the same around this person as I usually do around this person? Like, yeah. have I shared the same intimate details? Like, totally. And it's like so exhausting. And this is like age old, right? Well, we talk a lot about how forgiving Shabbat can be because it's a holiday that comes every single week. It's not like you've got one Hanukkah once a year. You really literally get to like retry it and redo it and feel maybe a little bit more confident in how you do it if you find that repetition with it. What that really means is that like maybe one time you do it and you have that moment of anxiety or you're like, fuck, I forgot to serve the pre-batched margaritas that I left in the fridge or whatever. You know, you have your moment of being like, that wasn't quite what I wanted it to be. And that we are really here, like developing a resource to get past that moment of anxiety or to develop confidence. We are constantly thinking about how to get people to try something new, even if it didn't go the way they wanted it to the first time around. How many Shabbat dinners have you hosted through one table? I've hosted 27. Before you got involved with doing Shabbats with one table, were you regularly going or hosting Shabbat? I would host it on occasion, not quite as regularly as I do now, just because it's nice to have all the extra resources that one table provides. I've always loved hosting and cooking dinner for my friends, but it's definitely increased how many I've been able to host since I've joined one table. It's a pesto stuffed challah, but then the pesto kind of exploded, which is why it looks like eight strands. It's amazing. Thank you. For me, a big part of my Judaism is through the culture and the food and my community. And so hosting Shabbat allows me to kind of do all three. A lot of us went to sleepaway camp together, so we do the camp blessings that we grew up with. um, And there's the community of all of our friends together. And then the food, so just a nice blend of all of the things I love. Have you had people over who like don't know the songs and all of that stuff who are kind of learning through this experience? Yeah, I've definitely had a few who either just didn't grow up religious or they've forgotten their blessings. Um, but yeah, they've come back to Shabbats and have helped them re-engage with their Jewish identity a bit. <laughs> ask you about the art of gathering if you can talk a little bit more about the principles in that book how it impacted you and then how you guys incorporate those ideas in one table the idea that most stuck with me is the idea of really having roles as both the host 
and the guest. Like I'm Persian Jewish. I grew up in a home and in a community where hospitality and expectations around hospitality were like totally a part of everything. There were a lot of 50 plus person (laughs) Persian uh, Passover seders. And I think I, from a very young age, was thinking a lot about my parents' roles and my role and who's going to open the door every time the bell rings and who's going to serve the guests their drink. But I never actually thought about what it's like to show up as a guest and not just in terms of like whether you have a housewarming gift or not or whether you like thank your hosts the day after, but really like even more than that in terms of showing up moment to moment during the event. I think I never really understood how vital it is to like feel chill throughout the dinner party as the host. And what that means is like that I as a host have to feel comfortable asking my guests to participate in making that cocktail at the beginning of the night. Like it doesn't have to be me pouring everyone's drinks or opening the front door for guests as they arrive. It doesn't have to be me as the host opening the front door. Like it is so okay to bring your guests into it. It actually can feel really welcoming because what you end up with is one, guests who have something to do once they're at your home, like literally making a drink once they get there gives them a thing that they can participate in and and maybe helps with that kind of like ice breaking, you know, thawing out as they arrive. But also you are now a more chill host. Like the, the point that we try to drive home for our users is it's okay to make things easy. You can strive for excellence and also ask for help. You can strive for excellence and also make it a potluck. Maybe it shouldn't be a potluck of Cheez-Its and popcorn, unless that feels really special and awesome and elevated to you, but make it awesome and also don't take it all on on yourself. For Shabbat dinner, there's three special prayers you do. One is to bless the candles um, for light, and then you bless the wine for the fruit, and then you bless the challah for the food and the sustenance that we get. We're really thinking about how to help our guests be able to find community spaces where they might meet new people. They're not necessarily hosting the dinner. We're really thinking about how to give them a space to find the dinner party to attend. Were you someone who was like regularly hosting Shabbat dinner before this? So absolutely not. (laughs) Like I said, I grew up with Shabbat dinner in my home and Not everyone on our team actually even has that experience. Like a lot of people on our team started exploring Shabbat for the very first time in their own adulthood. It took me a little bit of time to start to understand my own kind of relationship with Shabbat dinner because I really had to think about what it meant for me. What did I want my Shabbat dinners to look like? Not my mom's, not my sister's, not the Shabbat dinner of my childhood, but now in my adulthood, what it meant to do something special on a Friday night. Wow, I was a little concerned that I was going to melt in the car. And... Well, sh- shall we do our closing prayer? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
So the closing blessing after a meal is the beer kot hamazon. Rabbinical tradition teaches that there are two things that we both have a prayer for before and after. Um, it's very rare in Judaism to have a prayer before and after, and there's only two things. One is reading Torah. You have a blessing before and after reading Torah. The other is eating, because both of these things nourish us, both our bodies and also our souls. And so we have an opening blessing before the meal. We also have a closing blessing after the meal. Former head counsel Elizabeth, would you like to lead us in Birkat Sure. Broadening out to like not just Shabbat, but the idea of intentional gatherings that take preparation and the sort of mindset. What would you hope for people if they hear this? Maybe they're not even Jewish, but they're like, okay, I, I want to intentionally create community. What would you hope that they are able to like get out of even a subtle shift like this where they're thinking about intentional gatherings once a week, once a month or whatever in a way that takes thoughtfulness and preparation? That's like a huge question. Like I could cry at the thought of how to answer it. I'm someone who really struggles with kind of like setting aside time for myself. I love being around people. I'll take any opportunity to bring people in. There's something beautiful about inviting people in, about bringing people into this project or this idea or this Shabbat dinner that you're planning. There's also something that has to happen, at least for me, and I imagine for a lot of my friends, before you bring people in. And it's that moment of consideration for like your own desires, your own hopes. What do you want out of it before you bring it to the larger group? The art of the Shabbat dinner is really, it's for anyone. Like Shabbat is good for you, no matter who you are. The ideas are about rest, relaxation, taking a moment for something special that couldn't possibly be bad for anyone. And I think the idea of preparing for it, the idea of us providing a platform for you to organize your Shabbat dinner, it all comes back down to giving you that process to both consider it from your own perspective, to really sit in what you want it to be, and then to take the plunge of sharing it out with the people you want there intentionally. I'd especially invite you to consider whether you have people in your life that you'd love to have over or at a restaurant or at a park for a Friday night dinner gathering of any size. If you know of empty nesters, people who have recently found a new chapter in their lives, I'd encourage you to share together at one table with those people in your lives. We're really here to just help people kind of find more intention and meaning in the rhythm of their lives. For us, that's punctuated by Friday night. And for many others, maybe it's punctuated by Saturday morning, when you always go out for coffee and take a long walk, or Sunday evening when you like chill out and think about the rest of your week. And that's cool, but I just consider the ways that these ideas reflect or resonate for you. All right, y'all, that's all we've got for you today. 
That was producer Megan Botel, One Table director Danny Kohansida, One Table host Elizabeth Grossman, and some of her dinner guests. I hope this inspired you to think about gathering your loved ones or even strangers in your community with some intention more often, whether you're Jewish or not. If you want to attend a Shabbat dinner or apply to host a dinner, check out onetable.org. We have more on our website at las.com slash howtoLA. So Shana Tova, everyone. Happy New Year's to all those who celebrate. And we'll catch you back here on Monday. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.